I don't feel like I had all the information about the pill and about what it does. And I do understand that, you know, people take the pill for all sorts of reasons. If you, you know, you're using it for contraception or if you're using it for some people use it for symptom reduction and, and that's totally your choice. But I think when you have a, make an informed choice, it's really important. So I think the biggest one um, to understand about the pill is that it um, suppresses your hormones. So it's suppressing um, progesterone and estrogen, our um, key hormones of the menstrual cycle, and it's suppressing ovulation. But it means that whatever's going on, um, whatever's underlying, those underlying reasons for your hormonal imbalances are being, I guess, masked over by the pill. Like it acts like, I guess, a Band-Aid. And we're not working on those underlying causes. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. Today, I'm joined by Triz Alexandra, who's a clinical nutritionist, recipe developer, food photographer, and founder of Triz Alexandra Nutrition and Wellness. Now, I know how much you guys love when we dive into the female health specific episodes, which is good news because I love interviewing experts in this area. I think particularly for me, I feel like it's almost a duty of mine to share information like this because... I felt like when I was a little bit younger and experimenting with different options on the market, like the pill for regulation and contraception, I felt extremely, extremely misinformed and just overall really uneducated about the impacts of such products and just my female hormones in general. So every time I dive into a conversation like this, I not only learn so much, but I feel really empowered to share it with all of you. And just judging off all the feedback I get from these types of episodes, I know you guys feel very, very similar. So today, Triz shares all her expertise with how women can optimize their diet and lifestyle to balance their hormones. And not only that, actually optimize fertility and, this is awesome, reverse PCOS symptoms. Now, that's not a claim or something I've discussed on the podcast before. So for anyone listening who has PCOS or knows somebody who has PCOS, you definitely want to forward this episode onto them. Triz also provides some insight into what you actually need to know before going on the pill, which is really, really important. She also introduces me to a concept called cycle syncing, which is essentially just working better with our menstrual cycle down to what's best to eat at which parts of our cycle, whether it's our luteal or follicular phase. So I found that really interesting, getting granular with what types of foods are best. And she also shares some tips for busy people like you and I wanting to stay on top of our nutrition, but just wanting some easy tips on how to meal prep and stick to it. I know you guys are going to get so much out of today's episode. You can connect with Triz more on Instagram. I've popped her handle in the show notes below. Take a screenshot and tag us both to let us know what your biggest takeaway of the episode was. And last but not least, if you haven't had a chance to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would mean the absolute world to me in the Balancer community in growing it and reaching more and more people each day. Thanks for tuning in and let's dive straight in. Today's guest uh, is going to be sharing a lot of goodness on topics I know you all love very, very much. So Tris, a very warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It's so nice to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. No, not a problem at all. Just so we can get warmed up and our listeners get a little bit of a feel for who you are, can you explain a little bit about what you do? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm Tris, Tris Alexandra. Um, I'm an Australian-based clinical nutritionist and I run at the moment a virtual online clinic. So I see people um, online and I specialize in women's health, hormones and fertility and in particular in PCOS. Um, so it was actually my own journey with PCOS that got me into nutrition um, and I've you know sort of successfully managed my own PCOS for the last I think nearly 15 years now um, you know with a mix of nutrition and lifestyle and, and natural um, therapies and recently um, fell pregnant naturally and have a beautiful healthy baby boy who's yeah nearly 10 months old which is not maybe not so recent I think I'm just learning as a mum <laughs> that time just goes so fast but yeah so I guess as a as a nutritionist, um, I'm on a mission to really help women feel empowered and to understand and nourish their unique body in a positive way. Um, I really like to focus on sharing holistic, um, natural nutrition and lifestyle education um, so that women can sort of understand their bodies, heal and, you know, feel their absolute best. So, um, you know, that might be sharing information about nutrition and lifestyle practices or um, women's hormones, understanding our menstrual cycle is a really big one. So kind of understanding mm. like the ebbs and flows of our cycle um, and how our lifestyle can impact our hormones as well. So, you know, for example, stress is a really, really big one when it comes to women's hormones. And yeah. then just even like what's no normal in terms of, you know, symptoms and, and things that we experience. Um, but I guess the most common way I work with women is in one-on-one -on -one nutrition consults. And then I've also got um, an online program, Heal Your PCOS, that's coming out very soon as well. So, um, you know, I just try and provide women as much support as I can. Yeah. I love that. And I'm, I'm so blown away by the amount of people that I interview that what they're doing now for work has just come organically through an experience or a journey that they themselves have gone through, which I think is such a beautiful place to come from. You're really coming from a place where you understand the person you're trying to help and it's very, very authentic. So um, I just wanted to call that out because I, I do love when somebody's you know natural experience leads into their passion and their work. On that note, did you were you already working as a nutritionist at the time you were helping yourself or did it kind of go the other way around? Did you help yourself and then lean into it? Yeah, it was it was the other way around. So I had um, was diagnosed with PCOS in my early twenties, like very early twenties, and this was well before I even before I even thought about studying nutrition. Before I had any idea what I was doing with my own sort of health, um, and it was my own journey with being diagnosed and feeling really like overwhelmed and lost and not getting the information and the answers that I felt that I needed um, mm. when I was diagnosed. And that kind of led me on a path to doing some research and finding natural therapies and finding sort of nutrition and lifestyle. And this was going back, like, like I said, there was like nearly 15 years ago. So I think maybe back then, you know, um, nutrition and lifestyle for PCOS wasn't as well known or as well understood, or at least to mm. me. Um, and yeah, that's what really led me on that journey and on that path. So I didn't study nutrition for years and years later. It was after I'd kind of gone through this whole journey and healed my body um, that I began studying nutrition. And really with that idea in mind that I wanted to help women just like me. Um, mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Out of curiosity, what were you doing at the time for work? 
Um, I was working as an executive assistant, but I was also studying makeup. So I kind of, yeah, I've had a, a bit of a different, um, you know, career path, but yeah, I was studying makeup. So it was funny because at the time when I was diagnosed, I, I, I was put straight on the pill, um, on the oral contraceptive pill, you know, to sort of, I say with regulate. commas fix or regulate my period. Mm. Um, and I, I just did that just because that's what I was told you should do with PCOS. And it took me, um, you know, a few months or, you know, within a year that I sort of felt that it just intuitively didn't feel right for me. Like being on the pill, I was like, there's got to be more to this. I can't just take a pill and, you know, not worry about what's going on with my health. Just something inside like told me that I needed to know more and I needed to have more answers. Um, and, you know, did some research and found um, a nutritionist and naturopath and went down that kind of path and ended up coming off the pill and using natural treatments and nutrition and lifestyle to really um, sort of heal my body and reverse my PCOS symptoms. So um, I now don't experience the hormonal imbalances um, with PCOS. Obviously, it's not something that we can cure. I always have PCOS and have those genetics, but I don't experience any of the symptoms um, at the moment. So, which is which is really awesome. I think if you know if anyone's listening that does have PCOS or does have you know any hormonal conditions, there are evidence based things that we can do with nutrition and lifestyle um, that are really effective, which I think is just such a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely, and I love that you've brought this up because when I was a little bit younger as well, uh, maybe about ten years ago. So again, before it was a lot more spoken about. I mean, I, to my knowledge, don't experience or have PCOS, um, but I was going at the time through something that was creating a lot of change and stress in my life. And I found I went from having regular periods to none at all. And so I also was put on the pill and I found at the time I had the exact same experience. Something intuitively just didn't feel right about taking a synthetic pill. And to be honest with you, and having interviewed people like yourself, I've learned so much more about it now, 10 years later being off it than I did at the time when I was put on it. And I know a lot of the yeah. listeners uh, may be on it, have been on it in the past. And so I just wanted to know, and, and I will fully disclaim that obviously none of this can be replaced for any professional health advice you receive like one-on-one. And obviously that's something uh, both of us uh, advocate people to go and do, but just in a general conversation talking point, what are some things that you think people need to know about being on the pill? Uh, before they, I guess, make the commitment or if they choose to continue to stay on it. Because I do feel like there was an element of me being very misinformed at the time I was put on it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And look, I think I had that same experience, experience as, well. as well. I don't feel like I had all the information about the pill and about what it does and mm. um, how it works. Yeah how, yeah, how it works or how it was even going to help me. And I, I definitely feel the same. I, I will say, and um, I do understand that, you know, people take the pill for all sorts of reasons. And if, you, you know, you're using it for contraception or if you're using it for, some people use it for symptom reduction and, and that's totally your choice. But I think when you have, a, make an informed choice, it's really important. So I think the biggest one um, to understand about the pill is that it um, suppresses your hormones. So it's suppressing um, progesterone and estrogen, our um, key hormones of the menstrual cycle, and it's suppressing ovulation. And that's how it works to, um, you know, as a contraceptive. But it means that whatever's going on, um, whatever's underlying, those underlying reasons for your hormonal imbalances are being, I guess, um, 
masked over by the pill. Like it acts like, I guess, a Band-Aid. And we're mm. not working on those underlying causes. So when you come oh. off those, um, you know, those imbalances, those hormonal imbalances or those health concerns are still there and those symptoms will will come back again um, and, you know, we will need to work on those. So, yeah, just something to be mindful of that the pill does suppress your hormones and suppress ovulation and we really want our bodies to ovulate when we ovulate we make progesterone which is a really um, beneficial hormone it's anti-inflammatory it's anti-anxiety it has lots of health benefits um, so that's one thing to be mindful of and then the pill also depletes a lot of nutrients um, so things like magnesium um, zinc b vitamins nutrients that are really important for hormonal production and for healthy hormones as well yeah, I think the biggest light bulb moment for me, which I probably only learned in the last year or so, and, and I, I think I call it more of like a tap than a Band-Aid fix, it literally switches off the whole system, mm. which yeah. to be honest, like I really freaked out when I heard that because I was like on it for quite a few years, not knowing that that was just pausing all my cycle. Um, so yeah. I think had I known that at the time, I potentially would have been open to other options. Um, in your opinion, is there a place for the pill or do you think that there really are so many other options um, that you would really be, be steering clear of, of advising that to your clients? And, and obviously yeah. we're speaking in a, in a general sense and, and everyone's case is going to be so different. I just mean more like um, is there really ever a time where it is necessary to do something like that? It just sounds so extreme in my mind to really yeah. opt for something that switches off your whole cycle. Yeah, look, it and, and it is a very, very individual thing. And like I said, you know, I think women need to be informed about it to make the choice for themselves. But um, there, is, there are a lot of options that, um, you know, we can use for hormonal imbalances, for PCOS. Um, there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of nutrition and lifestyle treatments that um, are studied to be effective. They are evidence-based um, that we can use. So there's definitely options Um and it, it really comes down to personal choice. So yep. um, I work with a lot of women who choose, who just, I don't know, happen to choose not to use the pill or use, um, you know, those kind of things and prefer like natural um, methods, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, and I fully agree, you know, like if that's a choice you're going to make, just be very informed about what that means for your body and, and maybe even exploring mm. other options, which I guess is where this conversation um, is going to lead into now. I'd love for you to share, I suppose, some of your most preferred tips or I guess lifestyle suggestions for how we can have, well, I like to call them uh, happy hormones or healthy, healthy hormones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I guess like firstly, like I think it's important to kind of understand like what does it look like to have healthy hormones? Um, how do we know if our hormones are sort of imbalanced? How do we know if things are maybe going, um, you know, if, if we've got imbalanced hormones or there's something going on? Because what I quite often see happening is women experience symptoms of hormonal imbalance that are really common, but just because something's common doesn't make it normal. So for example, yeah. um, you know, a lot of women might experience, um, you know, debilitating period pain, but think, oh, well, it's just normal to have period pain. And of course, some level of pain is normal, but just because something's common doesn't mean that it's normal. So there might be something going on. So I guess um, having like 
you know, if we're having a regular menstrual cycle every sort of 25 to 35 days, um, you know, that is considered like a regular um, healthy menstrual cycle, a cycle where you're not getting significant period pain um, or overly heavy or clotted periods. And then you're not getting other symptoms. So things like, you know, skin breakouts and acne, um, thinning of the hair on the scalp, excessive hair growth, um, you know, really significant PMS symptoms. They're all signs of hormonal imbalances. Um, the biggest ones, I guess, in terms of helping hormonal balance and having these happy hormones, um, nutrition, regular exercise, sleep and stress, like they would be like my big picture um, things yep. that really help hormonal balance. When it comes to nutrition, a really big one that I like to teach is um, about eating for blood sugar balance. Um, and so ensuring like, you know, your meals are balanced with our macronutrients, protein, carbs and fats and fiber in, in really um, good ratios so that we're getting adequate amounts of each of those and having blood sugar balance because our blood sugar um, balance really impacts hormonal balance. And then there's, you know, there's, there's so many things we can do nutrition wise, you know, ensuring we've got, you know, a predominantly whole foods diet reducing inflammatory, refined oils, um, ensuring we've got adequate nutrients, especially things like vitamin D, which has a big impact on hormones, um, supporting gut and liver health. So the gut and liver, liver detoxification pathways have a huge impact on hormonal metabolism um, and detoxification. So that's really important for our hormones as well. And then, like I mentioned before, stress, like stress, I, I do talk about that one a lot because I feel like you know, a lot of us do experience stress and stress can come from more than just emotional um, or, you know, um, more than stress that, you know, of that type of stress where we're sort of feeling stressed. Stress can come from other areas of our life as well. You know, over-exercise is a stress, under-eating is a stress. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so, so many different things that cause stresses that can impact our hormones as well. But yeah, I would definitely say, look, nutrition, exercise, sleep and stress are the big areas that we, we really need to work on. Yeah. And what I love so much about this sort of general advice is that everything you can do to make your hormones happy is just stuff you can do that's really good for you overall anyway. And it has this trickle effect. So like addressing your stress is more like a general health concern, but it has such a direct impact on our hormones. So it's stuff you can and really should be doing for yourself anyway. It's just laid yeah. on with the intention, I suppose, when you're thinking about your hormones. Um, I know I mentioned to you at the start of the podcast and just for everybody listening, just before um, a couple of days ago, because I knew I had this episode coming up, I put a little question box on my story um, saying that I was going to be interviewing Triz and if you guys had any questions. And I think I was going to save them until the end, but one of the questions I think works really well with what we're speaking about now. So I might just... Um, say it. So it says, I find whenever I go through big changes in my life, my period, which is normally regular is late or skips. Um, what can I do better to support my home hormones in anticipation of big changes in my life? Um, and I pulled out this question because it's something I personally resonate with as well. Whenever I go through really huge swings of change in my life, my, um, I find sometimes it skips and I always wonder as well, like are there preventative things that we can do? Because it's like you go to the gym to create a healthy body for the longevity of your life or go to the dentist to protect your dental enamel long-term, et cetera. So I wonder as well, um, do you have any sort of suggestions? Obviously um, you, you've just shared your four pillars, but anything specific you can do with the knowledge that you've got change 
um, coming up in your life. Yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. Um, and I think um, firstly, if you know you're going, you're going to have a, you know, a stressful time or stressful period in your life, we can't always eliminate all stresses. Um, so absolutely. I guess looking at ways that we can reduce stress that you know, we might have something specific that is going or is causing us stress, but there might be other areas um, that we're experiencing stress in our lives as well that we may be able to minimise. But I guess in terms of supporting your body through that, um, we can use nutrition and lifestyle to really ensure that our body is really well nourished, replenishing nutrients that get really heavily depleted um, during stress so that the body has those nutrients to be able to continually produce hormones and, um, you know, have a healthy menstrual cycle. So, you know, for example, when we're stressed, we heavily deplete through magnesium, B vitamins, um, vitamin C, um, which impacts, you know, the adrenal glands, um, even zinc. So there's certain nutrients that we really heavily deplete through during times of stress. So if we're able to replenish those nutrients through food, through, um, you know, supplementation, then we're going to give our body a better chance of, of going through that stressful period. Um, yeah. I, you know, I really like to use food and have like a food first approach when it comes to nutrition and replenishing nutrients, but sometimes supplementation um, can be really beneficial for, I guess, topping up our diet when we're unable to meet our nutritional needs or when we're not getting enough because, you know, when we're using up all of these extra nutrients. So, um, you know, for example, using like a um, whole foods multivitamin to top up minerals and vitamins that we are depleting during times of stress can be really, really beneficial. Um, you know, topping up with, um, yeah, like foods that are really high in those nutrients as well can be beneficial. So just to help us through those periods of stress. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that definitely answers the question. And you answered my next question, which was what nutrients actually get depleted when we are stressed. Um, on a side tangent of this, when do we actually know when we need to supplement our diets? Because, I mean, in my experience, I've gone and gotten a blood test and it's come back with certain results. And I've, yep, I've been feeling fatigued because B12 is low or vitamin D is low, whatever, whatever the case is. Outside of getting a blood test, are there any other markers or situations in which we would know that we need to supplement our diets? Yeah, look, I think um, if you are experiencing symptoms um, and your blood tests, firstly, if your blood tests are coming back and they're normal and you're experiencing symptoms, then I would definitely look at working with a you know practitioner like a clinical nutritionist or naturopath that can actually delve into what's going on because then, you know, there, there may be situations where you're depleting nutrients or something going on where we can actually use supplementation that's, you know, evidence-based to have a therapeutic effect. Um, mm -hmm. I like, I use um, therapeutic doses of nutrients for, you know, certain hormonal imbalances, certain conditions. So if you're experiencing certain symptoms, that's when we can use supplementation. Um, I, you know, for example, um, women with PCOS, there's um, a lot of evidence for the use of inositol um, to help with PCOS symptoms and um, cycle regularity um, and all those sort of things. Outside of that, you know, like we were saying before, if we are going through stressful periods, then topping up our diet 
when we're unable to meet those kind of needs or when we're using up lots of nutrients can be really beneficial as well. So if you do know you're coming up to a stressful period or, you know, going through these times in your life, then topping up with supplements can be beneficial. Um, I will say though, that if you're going to, you know, if you're not, if working with a nutritionist or practitioner can be really beneficial, but if you are purchasing supplements, say like, you know, from a health food shop or online, it's important to know that not all supplements are created equal. So I always kind of say, you know, there's certain things that you should consider when purchasing supplements or when considering adding in supplements to, you know, help with any symptoms or to, you know, top up your diet. Um, Mm -hmm. I would first consider, you know, is the supplement, what's, what is the supplement made from, you know, if they're made from whole food ingredients, um, it means that the vitamins and minerals are, um, you know, made from whole foods, they're bioavailable to the body. So in a form that the body can digest and absorb and utilize, um, and whole food supplements are made from, um, you know, concentrated foods and plants. So it means that all the vitamins and minerals and antioxidants are working synergistically in a way that's kind of found in nature. Um, I like I use a brand called Whole Earth and Sea and they make like organically grown whole food supplements. They're really nutrient dense. They support optimal health and, um, you know, you can use them for different needs. So like multivitamins that are made for different life stages and ages. Um, Fish oils is another really common one that people use um, mushroom powders, which when we we're talking about stress before, I really love like mushroom powders because they've got an adaptogenic effect um, mm. for stress and for times of stress and they support the immune system and support the gut. So I really love like a mushroom powder. Um, but there, yeah, look there, I think just some things to consider when you are purchasing yeah. supplements, you know, and the other thing even think about, you know, is, is the supplement, if it's a whole food supplement, is it organic? What other additives are in the supplement? Can we look at, you know, um, looking at the label and making sure that there's no added sugars and colours and flavours and, and you know, unnecessary fillers? Um, and even looking at, you know, in terms of quality um, supplements, looking at the certification and testing that the company does they you know they usually have that on their website as well so um you know whole earth and sea for example have um third-party testing for their products to ensure the quality and you know their fish oils are certified sustainable so just some really good things to consider always as well when you are using supplements just make sure that you're reading the labels and follow like dosage and instructions yeah. checking for precautions on the actual supplement um and then yeah seeking advice from a qualified um you know clinical nutritionist or practitioner yeah that is all super super helpful because i know in the past i've almost self-diagnosed from a supplement point of view like oh i need more vitamin mm. d you know without even having a blood test and from like full disclaimer, I did like a law degree. So I have no nutritional background, but I think a lot of people, a lot of the time will be like, Oh, I need, you know, I just need to always have vitamin C or I always need to have this or I always need to have that. We'll go on a rampage, buy heaps of supplements, which, um, some people I've heard people refer to it sometimes as expensive pee. Sometimes you just take things yeah. that your body doesn't necessarily need or may not in fact actually be good for you. So I think those couple pointers of, you know, looking at what the company's doing in terms of te- testing and their certification or having a look for those additives or sugars on the back is a really, really good tip for anybody who is going out of their way to buy their own supplements. On this note, is there any kind of 
all round the supplement or particular supplement that if everybody took, um, I, look again, I know it's a really hard question to answer because I know there's no one size fits all, but for example, like is, is vitamin D beneficial for everybody to, to take on an ongoing basis or vitamin C, um, if people do want to, I guess, just have that additional support in their diets. I think when we're looking at those single nutrients, that's when we've got to be more careful. Like um, there's certain nutrients, for example, vitamin D, iron, B12, that you should always get a blood test for and, and test your levels before yeah. supplementing. There's certain nutrients that build up um, you know, in our body that um, we need to make sure that we're not over supplementing. And then, like you said, there's other nutrients that we will just pee out. It is expensive. Um, B vitamins is something most, not most B vitamins, you know, we just, if we don't need them, the body will just get rid of them. Um, so I think being cautious about using single nutrients, um, whole, when we're looking at, you know, multivitamins, they're, they're smaller doses of nutrients. So they're, I guess, in a sense, safe. a little bit safer. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, I will say like in terms of healthy hormones, magnesium is a really big one um, I use um, and even fish oils because I find a lot of people um, struggle to get enough omega-3s in the diet and both of those have a really big impact on um, healthy hormones. Um, but yeah, I would just be cautious about single nutrients and, and you know, um, using really high levels of single nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, one thing you said before about getting a blood test and everything coming back fine, even though you have conflicting symptoms is something I recently experienced and I'm very grateful to have, um, a naturopath as my sister-in-law. And so when she sort of had a look, she was able to do a bit more of a deep dive as to what was going on. And I think that's such an important thing to remember because your GP is a general practitioner. Um, and if you have symptoms that are in the female health realm, then I think it's only prudent that you speak to somebody with female health experience just for a second opinion. And you know your body best. If someone's telling you everything's fine and you know it's not, then do the investigation. Um, and just on just quickly before we move on on that last point about like single uh, vitamin dosaging, I suppose, or self self medicating. Um, magnesium is one I have always taken, especially since I started training, because I just find it really helped helped improve my sleep, especially at the start when I started taking it. Um, and just for recovery overall, is that sort of not, is it, is it not good to just take that every day because of those general arguments? Is it something that you should still test for? Is that sort of one of the ones that are okay? I would say that's one that is okay. Um, magnesiums, it's very hard to actually test your levels of magnesium. So we um, maintain a, a level of magnesium or our body maintains a level of magnesium um, in the blood. So you do have to get a very, very specific test. It's not, magnesium is not something we really test for, but I find that most people are very deplete in magnesium and we know that through their symptoms. Um, magnesium is a mineral that is, it's a cofactor for over 300 reactions in the body. So it has widespread effects throughout the body. It's a really, really important mineral. It so it's used be, a lot. <laughs> it's used a lot. Yeah. And, um, it's, it is, yeah, it's, it's typically a safe one to, to take. I will say, obviously, if anyone's on any medications, then please, you know, discuss with your doctor or, or healthcare practitioner, but, um, yeah, it's definitely a safe one. It is very beneficial in terms of hormones, in terms of um, stress, sleep, um, recovery from exercise, definitely. Like it just has that, yeah, huge widespread effects. It has a really big impact on um, 
blood sugar balance and um, insulin sensitivity. So it's, yeah, definitely very, um, very beneficial. Um, and yeah, it's, it's one that I take a lot as well. Yeah, no, awesome. I, I do love my magnesium, so that's all good to hear. Um, I want to, I guess, ask, get a little bit more granular on the nutrition side of things now. For people who are listening, um, and let's talk more general before we dive into, I suppose, like female health side of nutrition. For people who are listening and are really, really busy, but they really want to get on top of their nutrition, do you sort of have any tips on how they can get the most out of their diet with minimal amount of time? Now, maybe this is a uh, my efficient time poor brain sort of asking you this question but I think it's a position a lot of people are in if they have kids if they have a corporate job if they have to commute sometimes like the whole meal prep thing can feel very very daunting so I suppose with whatever time they've got what are the I guess the most important things they can do to really get the most out of their nutrition like if they were only to do a handful of things what would they be yeah absolutely and I, I totally get it like I'm a mum, I'm a wife, I run my own business, which is just just me and my business. Um, and so I wear a lot of hats and I get that life gets busy. Um, yeah, totally understand that. Um, I will say if we can prioritise some sort of time around nutrition then or around our nutrition and set some non-negotiables for your week, that can be really beneficial. And it, they can be non-negotiables and things that you do that save you time. So, for example, um, Every week, without fail, I always make at least one meal that is freezer-friendly and you can make in a large batch. So something, I'm already making dinner. You know, we make, a lot of us will cook dinner at least a few times a week. So if you can make something in a large batch that you can freeze, it means that you're, you know, you've got another meal in the freezer ready to go for another night when you don't have time to cook. Um, You know, I like to say cook once, eat twice or more times um you know make breakfast that can be pre-prepared so something really quick like an overnight oats that you can make a couple of um batches of for a few days ahead and that way you've got breakfast ready to go in the morning um keeping things in your fridge and pantry that you can throw together fast meals so things like you know tuna and rice and frozen veggies even you know they might not be things that we eat every single day but if we've got them on hand for those times when we just don't have time to throw together a meal yeah Yeah. exactly um you know even tinned legumes like chickpeas is so many things that you can do with a tin of chickpeas um but having those kind of um yeah doing those kind of practices is just going to set you up and and have you um saving time in the long run Yeah, I agree. And I think like if you can kind of reverse engineer and make the diet side of things easy, that's like the the biggest sticking point. Like because people think it's too hard, I won't do it, I'll just get takeaway. But if you do just have those options ready to go, then absolutely. The cooking once, eating twice is like I just realized is a non-negotiable of mine, even though it was just sort of something I was doing autopilot. Like if I cook on a Monday night, you best believe we're eating that on Tuesday. If I'm cooking Wednesday, we're eating that on Thursday. I have like a can't eat the same thing more than two, like three days is pushing it in a row because I get like very bored with my food. But one thing I did this week, so we've just, we spent kind of like the first two weeks and I'm going to just divert for a bit because I feel like I'm in the same boat as someone who now wants to just get on top of their nutrition and maybe doesn't have those practices and it brings in a lot of what you just said 
So we've just moved here. We spent like the first week or two uh, being tourists. And then I'm like, okay, now we're getting back into work. Like I want to start sorting out food. And obviously what's available here in terms of groceries is very different, but it's quite cool. Like we've got produce from all around the world. And so I kind of had to really sit down on the Sunday, plan what I wanted to eat for the week, make sure I got it all in the one grocery shop and plan it in a way that, you know, I can even buy the meat or whatever for end of week and freeze it. So I think if you just sit down and plan it, like it literally took me no more than 20 minutes to just write a grocery list and make sure like everything I was going to buy was going to be used. And it was all like, it was an efficient list. Not so you go to the shops and just buy whatever catches your eyes. Cause I've done that multiple times. You end up with like five sponges you didn't need. Um, but doing <laughs> that saves like, a lot of mental space throughout the week as well and the stress of like not being ready or prepared to eat. And then you just end up ordering takeaway or getting something that doesn't have the nutritional benefit. So I think planning is is one good tip and then definitely like cooking like the two for ones, seeing what you can freeze um, and just having the backups I think is important. I used to do that at work. So I would have like a drawer where if I just got hungry because I'm not I used to be a big snacker. I'm not so much anymore, but when I was, I would know that if I didn't prepare a snack, I could make protein balls or a slice or something for the week. I knew I had like organic air popped popcorn or something in the cupboard. So I didn't, you know, go buy whatever from downstairs that was just going to make me tired at 4 PM. Um, but now moving, I guess like steering the direction, I just wanted to add my two cents. Cause I feel like everything you just said is like what I'm experiencing now. And if people are in the same boat, I think it just comes down to planning and being like really intentional yeah. with your time. And it's just, it becomes a lot easier from something that feels so unachievable and hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think definitely, definitely really good I, grassroots. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point. And I'm glad you said it because I, I'm a big planner and I can't believe I missed that one off the, <laughs> off the list. Um, but I'm the same. Like I definitely plan my meals in advance. I will buy what I need for my meals. You're right. It does take away that decision fatigue. You know, when you are getting towards, you know, midweek, end of the week, um, you know, you've had busy days at work, you're tired, you're stressed. The last thing you want to do is think about what you're making for dinner and then having to go either shop for it or scramble through your fridge and try and work something out. So spending that, you know, short five minutes, um, 10 minutes, whatever it is, putting together a meal plan for the week will just it just sets you up for the whole week. It makes life so much easier. Yeah, I'm definitely big on yeah. that too. And especially when you have to cook for somebody else, whether it be like a partner or children as well. Like I know yeah. if some days like when I haven't meal planned and I've just said to my fiance, like, what do you want for dinner? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, I just feel so stuck. Like now I have to think about something that's going to suit us both when I could have just planned it on the Sunday and been like, this is what I'm going to cook. Like, do you want anything? And just think ahead. So that's really good if you are also not, if you have to cook for more than just yourself. Um, we did have another question that's quite fitting at this point in the conversation, which was, are there foods I can be eating around different parts of my cycle to like help it, help it out? So for example, when I'm ovulating and then maybe different foods when I'm on my period. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's a really, um, a really good one, a really interesting one. And I, um, I really, I don't know if, if maybe some of your listeners have heard of the concept of um, cycle syncing. Um, and I guess it's just about understanding the um, ebbs and flows of like our menstrual cycle and the changes of hormones across the cycle. And we can, I guess, support that through nutrition and through different foods um, that we um, that we eat and even 
yeah, even through like exercise and, and other lifestyle practices. But in terms of food, um, looking at, I guess, let's break down the menstrual cycle into two phases. So the first one being the follicular phase, which is um, from the start of your period um, up to ovulation. And mm-hmm. if we're looking at sort of, I guess, an average cycle, it's around two weeks. Um, it may be longer for people with longer cycles. Um, but during that time, we're going through our period and then after our period estrogen is rising and that's to build up the lining of um, the um, uterus again and as estrogen is rising and coming up to ovulation if we can eat foods that support healthy um, detoxification and metabolism of estrogen and of hormones that can be really beneficial so lots of fiber um, protein because liver detoxification needs amino acids um, from protein um, cruciferous veggies so like our broccoli um, cauliflower kale um, brussels sprouts so yeah protein cruciferous veg and fiber are some really big ones that can support that first half of your menstrual cycle then after ovulation, if ovulation has occurred, progesterone starts to rise in the second half of the cycle. That's our luteal phase. So that's generally about two weeks um, before your next period. Um, and during that time, um, estrogen is is um, dropping, but progesterone is, is rising. So supporting the production of progesterone is really important. Lots of magnesium rich foods are really good during this phase, particularly leading up to your period, because that's when we might start to experience some, um, PMS type symptoms. So like cramping and bloating. So lots of magnesium rich foods like dark leafy greens, um, dark chocolate, make it nice and dark. So it doesn't have (laughs) lots of sugar in there, which can maybe exacerbate symptoms. Um, yeah, that that's like some really good nutrients for that part of the cycle as well. So there's definitely foods that we can eat in each half of the cycle to support those ebbs and flows of hormones. Yeah. Awesome. And I've had, um, I've had someone on before who's spoken to the point of like exercising around the cycle as well. And I find this all so fascinating because genuinely at different parts, I mean, cause I do a pretty consistent weight program. I'll feel my energy just like some weeks, especially like just before my period, I just don't have the same strength as I do, like say, uh, two weeks after around ovulation, it just, it just ebbs and flows, but it wasn't until I started being very conscious of it and then started thinking about as well, like the food layer as women, I think, um, it's so easy to just look at like food and exercises, black and white, like healthy, not healthy. Right. But I think when you layer in the menstrual cycle, it gets a little bit more complex and we can actually use this knowledge to our advantage. It even, even comes down to like, when you're feeling more motivated or more productive or more creative, I find has like its own turns with the cycle. So I find it really interesting to listen um, to information like this, like with when it comes to food that can really boost that part of the cycle because it has such a flow and effect to so many other areas of our life. And for anyone listening who's a bit like, oh yeah, I, I know that sometimes I feel a certain way or I feel less motivated and whatnot, start keeping a journal like in between your periods and just start noticing when you know, these different energy levels or cravings or just things happen in your overall demeanor, because I think it's really interesting to to marry that up with like the luteal and the follicular phases as well. 
Yeah, definitely. And actually on that note, just thinking about, you know, cravings, um, like you were saying, leading up to our period, our insulin sensitivity changes and our body is actually using more calories and more nutrients um, preparing for our period. So I do find like a lot of women, you might feel that you get more hungry and a lot more strong cravings, particularly yeah, particularly for sugars and carbs and stuff <laughs> around that phase. Um, it's totally normal. Our body's using more calories. So I think when we understand our body and understand these kind of things, we can go, oh, okay, it's my body actually needs this. Um, I, it's okay for me to nourish my body and provide it with what it needs during those different times rather than having a bit more of like a restrictive view of like, oh, no, I can only eat a certain amount or I don't normally feel this hungry, so I shouldn't mm-hmm. eat more. Like just understanding that that that's normal um, and nourishing our body during those different times is really important. Um, like I was saying before, like the magnesium-rich foods, that's something that can help with um, cravings leading up to your period. Um, but, yeah, just knowing that it's okay to have extra food and honouring your hunger and honouring like nourishing your body is really important. Yeah. And when we're speaking about like feeling balanced, that means not only on like a macro level, like what do you need or what does your cycle need to feel balanced? Like overall, what do your hormones need to have that balance overall? It's looking at day to day. And that means that no two days are the same. And so having that confidence to be like, Hey, I know that my body's working overtime closer to my period and I might need more calories. And if I get those intuitive feelings or that hunger, I'm just going to give it, I guess, what it's craving and that it's okay is I think really how we work towards achieving balance rather than fighting yeah. with that and feeling guilt around it or shame around it. I think it's working with our bodies. And so I'm super grateful for all the info you've shared today. I think that your philosophy and your approach of that kind of no one, no one size fits all and, and really arming women to understand their bodies so that they can work more aligned uh, with it and, and more intuitive, I suppose, in their own life, I think yeah. is a really really powerful tool. I know we didn't get to do too much of a deep dive into PCOS, which means we'll have to do a part two and I'll have to get you back on within the year, which is exciting news for us both. Awesome. <laughs> um, but I've, I've, I've learned a lot from our chat today and I know that the listeners would have as well. So firstly, a big thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise with everybody on the podcast today. And secondly, if people want to follow along your journey, maybe even connect with you on socials, where's the best place they can do so? And I'll pop links in the show notes below. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much. It's been, you know, a really wonderful chat and I hope everyone got lots of value and lots of information um, out of it. If you do want to... um, uh, you know, learn a little bit more and you can find me on social media at um, Tris Alexandra Nutrition, um, same as on my website. So I do like to share a lot of education um, across my socials, you know, to help women really understand and nourish their body in the best way so that they can feel their absolute best. Amazing. Well, I'll pop links to that. You'll have to also let me know when your course goes live, the PCOS online course, so I can let everybody know as well. Um, but I'll pop links to all of that below. Thank you again so much for your time. And I look forward to chatting again in the future, but a bit more about PCOS specific. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.